to C3 Church Hepburn Heights. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. Hey everybody, good to see your wonderful faces this morning. It's my pleasure to continue on in this series today. Isn't that a gorgeous photo of Emily and Ethan? It's just gorgeous. It's just it's a great photo. Make sure you tell them after the service. So today I'm going to land in verse 18 of that locating passage that we just heard. Verse 18 of Romans 12 is, If possible, on your part, live at peace with everyone. Done. Good? Got it? Quickest sermon you've ever heard in your life. Applied theology, it's best. Go off. Let's live at peace with everyone. I grew up an Anglican for many, many of you know. And Jace, when I, when we started dating, Jace found himself for, actually I haven't approved this story. That's okay. I'm saying it anyway, babe. Uh, <laughs> Jace found himself in an Anglican service for the first time in his 19-year-old life. He had never been in a service like that before. And one such tradition during the Anglican service struck him as both bizarre and beautiful first time he saw it. And that is the moment of the passing of the peace. Now, for those of you that don't know, that gesture is simply when the congregation is asked to turn around mid-service and pass the peace with those around them. What that means is it's generally a handshake and you generally extend your hand out to those people that are around you and say, peace be with you. And the recipient generally responds with, and also with you other than Jace, who the first time simply said, thank you. (laughs) Peace be with me. Thanks. Good. Appreciate that. (laughs) And symbolically, the moment of passing of the peace actually occurs prior to communion, prior to the Lord's Supper, because embedded in that symbolism, as is often the way with a lot of these practices in traditional expressions of faith, is that we are trying to make peace with everyone. We are trying to have a posture of unity and community. That is, we are trying to have an outward expression of an inward heart posture prior to leaning into the Lord's Supper. And the thing about passing of the peace, obviously, in a service like that, is that there's no disclaimers. There's no caveats. It's not pass the peace with those that you like, pass the peace with those that you know, pass the peace that align with you theologically, pass the peace of those that you affiliate with. Like we heard in Claire's amazing word last week, this is pass the peace despite difference despite what may be a sense of difference. And so this passing of the peace is a beautiful and symbolic moment. So friends, peace be with you. Good job, you caught it. So in terms... (laughs) So in terms of then us living at peace with everyone, is this simply a message today that we need to handshake more? Well... Possibly not, because I actually want to circle back to Paul's words and understand the peace living, the peace sharing instructions that he actually embeds here in this verse. So let's circle back to verse 18. He starts with, live at, in other words, do life with, 
do life alongside, engage with. So this is an active, verb-like, daily posture, expression, outward and inward. He then says, live at peace with everyone. Now, the Greek word here for this peace in this particular passage is erene. And this piece here in terms of the Greek message embedded in that is a sound of oneness. This is a piece of quietness, of rest, in fact, of harmony, similar to where we landed last week. This piece is about a joining together, or one of my favourite descriptions, a proper wholeness. The message version of this same passage of scripture actually calls it a getting alongness. So that is live around, be engaged with, get along with, and then Paul tells us who we are to do this with. Everyone. Everyone. So we need to get along with everyone. Awesome. If only that was a case of a simple handshake. But what I love here, what I love here is Paul helps a girl out, helps a fella out, all right? He actually gives us two caveats and he doesn't always... But here, embedded in verse 18, is actually two caveats to how we do this peace living. First part is, if possible. In other words, where you can. Realistically. That's the first caveat. The second caveat is equally as powerful, on your part. That is, you need to take responsibility. So the Bible Hub commentary on this passage would say that we need to be careful that we are never the reason for an unpeaceful relationship with someone. Paul's command here recognises that conflict, negative conflict, unhelpful, unhealthy conflict is sometimes unavoidable. And some people are just not simply interested in making peace with us. And yet our ego, pride desires, prejudices should never get in the way of us living peaceably with others. So this passage exhorts that, yes, we can't control everything. We can't control someone else's anger or opinion, but we can control ourselves. We can take responsibility. Peacemaking and peace living, friends, is our responsibility. We need to lean into what our role is. Yes, well, what does that mean then? How does one do this? Well, I'm glad you asked. Even if you didn't, I'm going to tell you anyway. I'm going to get super practical. Let's do some skills-based training Skills-based skills refreshing in this whole idea of peace-living, peace-making. I actually wrote in my notes, peace-livers, but that's really weird because now I'm thinking of actual livers. I didn't mean peace-livers. <laughs> I don't know what a peace-liver is. Anyway, strange note that I just figured out. Because let me be inherently clear, right? Great communication skills don't just happen. The ability for us to live at peace with everybody actually doesn't come naturally for many of us. It wasn't necessarily taught or modelled to us growing up. And many of us, whether we like to admit it or not, actually have quite ill-informed, underdeveloped communication skills. Becoming an excellent communicator 
an excellent peace-living person, and I'm not talking here about a public platform, I'm not talking here about public communication, I'm simply saying our ability to communicate well with humans is actually a school-based art form. And so those of us that are pretty good at it have actually learnt it, trained in it, continually upskilled in that regard. And here's one of those our moments that Pastor Ben preempted. Scazzaro would actually say, most Christians are poor at resolving conflict. There are at least two possible reasons for this. The first relates to wrong beliefs about peacemaking. That's a whole nother message and podcast. Check it out if you want to, Pete's Gazeros. But the second relates to a lack of training or equipping in this area. So today I'm going to do some training and equipping. So let's first circle back to peace and actually look at the underside of peace. And let's look at conflict for a minute. Because we actually need to understand conflict in order to be those that can live at peace with everyone. So conflict often gets a bad rap. We've often come to believe, and I certainly think this is the case in terms of romantic relationships, we see conflict, or it's often explained to us as conflict in a relationship as a sign of dysfunction or weakness, or a signal that something is wrong. But on the contrary, conflict is actually a gift. Conflict gives us the opportunity to mature and become more fully formed and functional in our relationships. Because if conflict is handled and managed well, it actually gives us the opportunity for greater intimacy to be forged, greater trust to be established and greater understanding to be established. So conflict in relationships is actually important. And this extends to all sorts of relationships. I'm not just talking here about marriage, but I'm talking about parent to children. I'm talking about friendships. I'm, I'm talking about in the workplace. The role of us is not to avoid conflict. The role of us is to be able to understand conflict and lean in to make it a dialogue, not a gridlock. So Harville Hendricks, who's an incredibly well-known best-selling relationship author, he would say, conflict is growth trying to happen. Conflict is growth trying to happen. It's like, I'm trying. I'm trying to grow something in you. I'm trying to re-establish an idea. I'm trying to help you with compromise. I'm, I'm trying to enable you to be more humble. All of that is embedded in the gift of conflict. And James would actually say it like this in James 1-2, a, a passage of scripture we all know incredibly well. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials, have conflicts of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. In other words, trial, conflict leads to maturity if we give it the opportunity to do so. So living in peace, friends, us being those that Paul is exhorting us to be as those that are living in peace, often ironically requires us embracing conflict, not avoiding it, minimising it, not false piecing our way out of it, but to actually lean into conflict. So we need skills in this regard. 
We actually need to know how to do this well. Otherwise, this then becomes a train wreck. Otherwise, this perpetuates completely unhealthy patterns in our relationship. Otherwise, this can absolutely establish the opposite of peace. So we need skills in terms of conflict. And Jesus is actually pretty awesome in this regard. I'm going to land in Matthew 5 and Matthew 18, two passages of Scripture, where Jesus actually gives us here a step-by-step how to deal with conflict. What do you do if someone is in, within conflict with you? Actually here, if we bolt these two passages of Scripture together, there's actually some real step-by-step training tools here. So let's first land in Matthew 5. And as most of us know, this is obviously Sermon on the Mount, famous and lengthy message. But if we pick up on Matthew 5, 23, 26, Jesus says, Therefore, if you're offering a gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. (coughs) Do it while you are still together on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you you will not get out until you've paid the last penny. Now, let's flick over to Matthew 18 and consider what is there added in terms of skills as well. Jesus here is responding to the disciples, who is the greatest amongst us? In typical Jesus fashion, kind of answers that question, but actually provides an enormous amount of other beautiful relationship skills. Matthew 18, 15 to 17. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over, but... If they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. If they refuse to listen to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Now, there is a lot of, lot of angles I could go off on here, right? Don't panic, don't panic, don't panic. I'm not about to treat you all as pagans. But there is actually five steps here around conflict management, okay? And so I'm going to summarise them in a couple of ways. Let me just do a brush stroke and then we'll pull it right in to actually see the skill set here. So firstly, Jesus is saying reconciliation, dialogue, not gridlock, Reconciliation is always the aim. And in verse 24, it says there in the idea of coming together, be reconciled. First point. Second point embedded here in verse 25, settle matters quickly, is that this should be a quick process. Quickly. Aim for reconciliation quickly. Third one, sorry. 25 at the back end of verse 25 it says here that this should be face to face he human to human see the facial expressions hear the tone don't accidentally use caps lock give yourself an opportunity to edit what you're saying not just plonk something out and then think flip I didn't actually mean that This is a face-to-face situation, not a Twitter or a Facebook feed situation. 
This is not a screen-on-screen situation. This is face-to-face. Then, if we bump down to Matthew 18, Jesus says in Matthew 18, 15, that this is one-on-one. How many people are involved? Two. That one and that one. This is not a triangular conversation or a quadrangle or any of the other maths words to describe things with lots of sides. The, what comes after a quadrangle, MJ? A, a pen, oh wow, a pentagon. <laughs> That's the, isn't that seven? Six, hexagon. All right. Discuss that in the foyer afterwards. Okay, no. One on one. One on one. You and them. Not you and a bit of them and then somebody else and then somebody else feeds back to them what they thought you said but they've actually completely misinterpreted you. Or you and them 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 and then eventually them. But by that time, the story has changed so many times no one actually knows what the truth is. Or a group chat where the person that it's actually about isn't even on the group chat. It's just 27 of you are talking about that person. One on one. Then we move into verse 18, verse 16. Jesus tells us to escalate this, but only if we need to. Get help, but only if that's necessary. Get a support person. Don't go in and attack, but be careful who you involve and at what level. Now, I don't know about you, but I see quite the opposite list of communication skills in most of the environments that I sort of find myself in and around, not necessarily in my home, certainly not in our team, but, you know, I'm having quite a bit to do with teenagers and uh, I spend quite a lot of time on social media. That's one of my roles. So I would think right now the... uh, the world's kind of conflict process probably reads like this. Talk to everybody but the person that it's about. Talk about them and around them online and what a forum you can, but ensure that you avoid confrontation at all costs. Take far too long to head towards a dialogue, if at all. Instead, deny, detour and delay. Fourthly, aim to feed the monster, seek vengeance, throw them to the coals and win because that is the aim. Five, never seek wise help. If you do seek help, make sure you pick the least qualified people. (laughs) Always ensure your needs are met. You do you. Seven, escalate as often and quickly and as much as you like. Right, perhaps a bit tongue-in-cheek, but uh, yes, do we see this? So friends, if we don't continually train ourselves in this way, if we don't have awareness, if we don't lean into the skills of this, that's the conflict trap we will just default ourselves into. We'll just fall on into. Because our relationships must look different. Our relationships as apprenticeships, apprentices of Jesus must look different. Otherwise, we are just thinking theology and reading theology, but not living theology. So let's look at our peace living skill set check, checklist number one, and we'll put this on socials this week. But so this is, this is what basically Jesus is saying. 
This is what conflict should look like. We lean into it, but this is how we do it. Here are five steps. Reconciliation is the aim. Quick is the pace. Face-to-face is the context. One-on-one is the best. Seek help only when necessary. And now I've put only when necessary in there because that can be a whole heap of hot mess, right? We need to seek wise help, often regularly, but we've got to be incredibly wise about where that help comes from. So there's your first peace living skill set checklist number one, okay? We can continually lean into this space, get training, get forging, get refreshing. Conflict, reconciliation is the aim, quick is the pace, face-to-face is the context, one-on-one is the best, seek help when necessary. Right, so where may you need this week to realign some of your peace living steps? What's Holy Spirit actually prompting you about right now? How do you maybe live this this week? Where have you maybe fallen into the trap of some of the world's way of doing conflict and perhaps need to realign? I ask you to sit in that as we wrestle out this second part of our training today. So if we land back in as far as it depends on you. Now, again, this is by no means an exhaustive list, but where I just want to now focus in a little bit of is as far as it depends on you in terms of your expectations. Hmm. Right. Now, you may not realise this, but you walk around with a big backpack of expectations. Carry it on your back. You carry those expectations into your parenting, your marriages, your friendships, your work communities. Now, these expectations are things like the idea that I have in my head about the way things should be done. Expectations around how I should be communicated with, expectations around your beliefs and my beliefs, expectations of like, well, of course that's what I wanted. Expectations of you should know I didn't mean that. Expectations of I can't believe you don't know me well enough to know X, Y, Z. Expectations of how would you think that that wouldn't hurt me. Expectations of I shouldn't have to tell you this is the way that I like it. And these expectations we carry around in our big backpack and they've been formed by all sorts of things, right? Our preferences, our personality, our childhood, our education and often a heap of other unseen or unrecognised factors. And Dr Tim Elmore would say, conflict, the opposite of peace, arises when there is a difference, a discrepancy, a differentiation between expectations and reality. So conflict has a field day when it comes to expectations. Now, early in our married life, (laughs) why are you chortling, Pastor Ben? You don't know what I'm going to (laughs) say. Oh, you're making it about you. (laughs) Forgive me, forgive me, little brother. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, 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 sorry. That should have been a staff room banter, not on the platform one. Early in our married life, when I was nothing like Ben, because he was far more holy and established than me. I got quite cross with Jace quite a bit. 
However, I didn't really communicate that. I just stonewalled because that was my typical way of dealing with conflict is just to pretend it didn't happen and uh, prove, prove that I was right by being silent. That was a fun time. Uh, I brought into our marriage that gift giving and birthdays were super important. We are both only children, okay? We've got quite different experiences of that only children experience. My only childrenness as a child growing up meant when it came to my birthday, it was a big deal. I was a big deal. <laughs> and there was quite a lot of lavishness involved and surprise elements, and it was a big deal, and it was exciting, and, and it was pre-planned and, and it was a very lovely experience. Now, I got married to Jace, who didn't quite do birthdays the same way that I did. And so for the first couple of years of our married life, I just expected him to know that that's what I wanted. I thought, I don't want to be high maintenance, so I'm not going to talk about it. And he really loves me, so he should just really know this stuff. I shouldn't have to tell him, because that's far less romantic. <laughs> so, what happened? I set him up to lose. I sulked. He failed. Lose, lose. Lose, lose. So, when we have a whole heap of expectations, but we haven't verbalised them... Is that just eradicating peace? <laughs> so do we just walk around not having expectations or not talking about them because that's how we live in peace? No. The key thing about expectations in relationships, and this extends well beyond a romantic relationships, is we need to clarify them. Clarify them. Now, Jason and I have actually done a podcast on this on Marriage Grit. Please forgive us in advance. Sounds like we filmed it in the closet. We kind of did. It was during COVID. The, the actual technical recording of it is pretty atrocious, but the content's brilliant. So forgive us, but if you scroll back through our season one, we actually did a whole podcast on this. And so in terms of expectations, if we don't clarify them, they aren't valid. Did you hear me? If you don't clarify expectations, they aren't valid. How can I be annoyed at him for something he doesn't even know I want? When you say that out loud, it's actually ridiculous. And so if we don't clarify expectations, we're going to land up in all sorts of conflict that then becomes a gridlock. So the thing about expectations, there's four, four aspects of them as I kind of bring this in to finish today. There's four aspects around expectations and Schizero in Emotionally Healthy Spirituality and that's linked on our purpose circles. He would say most expectations are unconscious. We don't even know they're in our backpack. So we're annoyed at people for stuff we don't even know that we want and then we make it annoyed at them but not even realising we have that. So they're unconscious. They're often unrealistic because we have grand illusions about the ways things should be or the way our family should look or the way this should occur or this would be great for my Instagram feed. Thirdly, in our case, they were unspoken, so then we haven't even communicated about them. But fourthly, actually, my favourite is they're often unagreed upon. So sometimes we get the expectation out, blah, 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 and the other person goes, well, that's ridiculous. 
that's not going to happen. And so in terms of the way we now do gift giving, it isn't quite the experience I had growing up, but Jace in his grace has actually kind of come more along my side when it gives to gift giving. He has agreed to the expectations that I have. And so if we haven't clarified these expectations, they're not valid. So let's look at this second and final peace living skill card. So a peace living skill set checklist number two is we must make our expectations conscious. What do you want? What is it you expect in this scenario? What behaviour or action or method of communication do you actually need right now? Get it out of the backpack and get it into your mind and actually articulate it. Secondly, they've got to be realistic So if it's not something that's achievable in your season of life or your financial situation or your currently family season, perhaps that expectation actually needs shriveling up. You then need to speak them aloud. So those that the expectation has a bearing on, get them involved in the conversation. And then fourthly, ensure that they agree upon it. Have a dialogue Acknowledge, compromise. This then makes our expectations valid. And otherwise, if we don't do this, we're just continually setting people up to fail. We're continually setting people up for a conflict scenario. So I'd encourage you as you sit there, ask what Holy Spirit is maybe saying. What's in your backpack of expectations? Are you annoyed with someone right now for something that they did or didn't do that you never asked them to do? Are you often believing, well, they should know that about me, I shouldn't have to tell them? Are you setting maybe your children or your spouse or your work colleagues up to fail? And so Paul tells us in Romans 14, 19, that we must pursue what promotes peace and what builds each other up. And so friends, this is one of those things. Clarifying expectations is about us pursuing peace and about building one another up. So this is quite a skills-based training list. But let me just finish today by reminding us that Holy Spirit loves peace. This is the fruit of the Spirit. As Holy Spirit is alive in us and we lean into that posture, we can then live in this horizontal applied theology way. So yes, we're training. Yes, we need to lean into that posture of skills-based training, but we need to continually ask for the Holy Spirit strengthening and enabling that this peace-living lifestyle, this peace-living expression will flow out of us. And as Paul finishes Romans 16, the very end of this letter, he says, Now to him who has power to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the proclamation about Jesus Christ, to the only wise God through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory forever. So yes, friends, on our part, let's take responsibility for our peace living. But let's also grow and lean into Holy Spirit strengthening in this place for God's glory. Can you stand with me as I pray? Band, you can come. Keys, sorry, Berdine. Band's now. Oh, are we all coming? No, it's all right. Just the keys. You can all come. That's right. Let's just posture yourself in prayer. Close your eyes. Take a breath. Lord, I pray. Where as possible, 
And it depends on us that we will live in peace with everyone. Quicken to us now, Holy Spirit, those relationship areas where we have avoided conflict or done conflict poorly. Holy Spirit, quicken to us now and as even as this week unfolds, perhaps expectations that we are carrying around in our friendships, our marriages, our parenting, our workplaces, expectations that are unrealistic and unreasonable, not even communicated. Holy Spirit, interrupt us this week to do it better, slightly better slightly better. I pray for interactions this week that are slightly better. Slightly better in maybe that complex work scenario, that complex family life scenario, that complex friendship. Lord, I pray that You empower us, Holy Spirit, this week that we will have greater tools, greater insight, greater empowerment to be those that live at peace with everyone because I pray that we are known by our peace, your peace in us, that that would be evidenced in the way we walk and live and communicate and be. This will be a glorious aroma, a testimony, a story of the goodness of Jesus as the way we do relationships is so different. Holy Spirit, illuminate that we gently, courageously, humbly lean into this space. Empower us to be slightly better. All for your glory, Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us here on our podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more about our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, go to c3hh.com.au.